Thanks, guys. Um, I love that song. I listened to it on the way here, and um, I got all choked up. It's how I know I'm getting old. I used to resist crying, now I just go with it. Um, well, welcome to all our visitors. It's nice to have you here this morning. And thank you to our youth leaders and our youth who've backed it up this week. It was an epic, it was an epic youth camp. We will have stories to share. We'll have a highlights reel. It's all coming. Um, but this morning, like Andrew said, we're continuing on in our um, John series. And um, if you've got your phones out or your Bible, just get ready. Start turning to um, John chapter 18. We're going to kick off in verse 15. Um, but when I was a, a new believer, so about 20 years ago or something, there was um, a verse. Are you able to put that slide up, Abby? The first one. Thank you. From Matthew. That confused me. And it, it troubled me a little bit. And I was living with um, a family and the parents were pastors. And I went to the mum. So the verse is, is on the screen. It's, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And I was confused because I was like, so does that mean if I deny Jesus, I'm not saved anymore? Um, so I went to, I went to the mum, who was a pastor, and I said, if someone's holding a gun to my head, and I deny Jesus because I'm scared I'm going to die. Am I going to hell? Am I saved? And she looked at me and she goes, there was a time where 100% I would have said I will never deny Jesus. And then she said, and then I had kids. <laughs> and she said, 100%, without a doubt, if my kids' lives depended on it, I would deny Jesus. And I'm sitting there going, hmm, I'm so confused. <laughs> and she said, and Jesus would forgive me. And so the passage we're looking at this morning is um, Peter in that situation. So let's read it. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went in with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this, men, of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire that they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I also taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, 
the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster rooster began to crow. So we're picking up immediately after Jesus is arrested in the garden. And he's been taken to the high priest's house. So in a nutshell... Jesus, um, this, is what, this is where we're at. This is what's previously happened. Judas has come and kissed Jesus as a signal that he's the guy that they're trying to arrest. Peter cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. Jesus healed the servant. Soldiers bound and arrested Jesus and brought him to Annas' house for questioning. Annas was the high priest, but he was sacked by Rome. They didn't like him. Um, and his son-in-law is now the recognised high priest. However, the Jews believed that the position of high priest was for life, which is why they probably took him to Annas first. All of this going on was illegal. It was done under the cover of darkness, and the Jewish council was hoping to get it done quickly and without public anarchy, because they didn't want to draw the attention of Rome. And they also wanted to just get on with the Passover festival. Andrew and Jeff covered this last week in a YouTube video, so if you want to know more, just check that out. It's pretty good. Um, But now we find ourselves in John's account of what happened in the early stages of Jesus' trial. As we read through it, you can see that there is a contrast between Jesus' experience and Peter's experience. Whilst Jesus is with the high priest telling the truth, Peter is with the slaves telling lies. While Jesus is speaking openly and not denying anything, Peter is trying to cover up and he's trying to hide. And as significant as this is regarding Jesus' trial, the main focus here really does remain on Peter. This is a key moment significant enough to be recorded in detail in all four Gospels for all of time. (laughs) Peter's darkest moment. But how did we get here? When we read about Peter throughout the Gospels, we can see that he's loyal, he's teachable, he's resilient. He's passionate, he's brave, he's curious, he's impulsive, he's confident, and he's strong. And we can also see that he's completely devoted to Jesus. We can see, we can see how devoted he is to Jesus by by the way he's willing to chop off a man's ear and fight for him. He trusted Jesus enough to have a crack at walking out on water. He recognises who Jesus really is, the Messiah. And Peter is the only disciple comfortable enough with Jesus to say no and to rebuke him. He was wrong, but he was still comfortable enough to have a go. And yet after three years in close proximity 
in personal relationship, trained by Jesus, witnessing absolute confirmations of Christ's power. How is it that Peter, Jesus' closest friend, leader of the disciples, denies knowing Jesus and fails epically? How does, how does he get to this point? This is his darkest hour. And if I'm honest, I was like, Peter, that is a little bit weak. I didn't actually understand how Peter, after walking so close with Jesus, could do this. I couldn't get my head around it. And then I kind of got a little bit convicted and it dawned on me that I wasn't very... Uh, sympathetic to the human condition of Peter. The poor guy, he's, like, he's been dead for I don't know how many years. And here I am in 2022 going all Karen on him <laughs> and unfairly placing judgment and expectation on him that if, <laughs> that if anyone should have been able to nail this temptation and trial, it should have been him. So taking that into consideration... Taking in this humanness, the fact that he's not Jesus and that he's not just some character in a book, in a story. He's a person. Um, To help me understand, I decided to do an exercise and to step through the few hours leading up to the moment in the courtyard, taking into consideration all the feelings and emotions that Peter would be wrestling with. Another sign I'm getting old. (laughs) Let me step you through it. And we kick off during the Last Supper. First, Jesus tells Peter that someone among them is about to betray him. Someone in their crew, someone close to them. Imagine hearing that about two of your closest friends. Second, Jesus tells him that he's going away and he cannot go with him. Then, Jesus predicts that Peter will deny even knowing him, not once, but three times before morning. All of those situations go against two of Peter's strongest characteristics of being loyal and devoted. He would have been reeling at the mere suggestion of those. He passionately refutes Jesus' prophetic accusation, because it's probably how it was received, by professing that he will go to jail or even die with Jesus. Surely Peter would have been offended and hurt that Jesus thought that he could even do that to him. Next, Peter is, re- is rebuked for not wanting Jesus to wash his feet. And then, in the garden, Jesus rebukes Peter again for falling asleep when he was meant to be praying. And this one would sting. Jesus confesses that his soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. 
he comes back and he finds him sleeping and he singles Peter out. And he says, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. How bad would you feel? Guilty, even. He probably didn't appreciate the W word either. Um, And finally, Jesus rebukes him for cutting off the slave's ear. Which would be confusing because in Luke, Jesus actually gives him permission to take the sword. Why would he need a sword if he wasn't going to use it? So what a day Peter has had so far. If we had a day like this, we would be absolutely deflated. We would be questioning everything. We would have questions and doubts about ourselves, And even more significantly, we'd start to question how Jesus feels about us. We wouldn't be feeling very emotionally stable. There was not a lot of affirmation going on in the hours leading up to this moment. And it's easy to see how confusion and doubt would creep in. None of this would set Peter up well, mentally, emotionally or spiritually, especially since he just slept through his opportunity to pray for strength. It wouldn't set him up for um, the internal the eternal, internal conflict that is about to rage within him. There's no time for, pro- for processing. Everything that is happening is all unfolding before him in real time. His mate Judas has just betrayed Jesus and Jesus has been arrested and out of concern, Peter is following to see where, he, where they take him. Cut to the courtyard. On top of this emotional stress, tiredness and cold, being in the courtyard was dangerous for Peter. He was sitting around a fire with the relatives of the slave whose ear he'd just cut off. What would they have done to him if they knew that he was the guy? Or what would the high priest do if he found out that the man responsible was in the courtyard, sitting around his fire. No doubt it would be prison, if not death. Naturally, one would be fearful. His motivation for being in the courtyard, his love and devotion and concern for Jesus was not enough to relieve the internal pressure of fear, doubt and panic. We can see him unravel as his responses escalate each time he is questioned about knowing Jesus. Matthew, Mark and Luke all have Peter calling down curses and swearing an oath that he does not know Jesus by the time he is asked the question for the third time. It all comes to a head as the rooster crows and Peter remembers Jesus' words. Luke says that the Lord looked at him and Peter remembers and he comes to the realisation that he has done the very thing that he swore he would not do. 
Peter leaves the courtyard and weeps bitterly. I can see now. I can see how impossible it would have been to win this trial. And I have respect for Peter. For the, tur- for the turmoil, turmoil he must have endured. Peter's denial might sound like seem weak and cowardice, yet somewhat normal. But his presence, despite his fear, was courageous. I'm just going to take it, go out on a limb here and assume that everyone knows, knows this and that I'm not spoiling it for anyone. But Peter's journey doesn't end here. It's not all over. After Jesus is resurrected, he restores Peter. And we'll unpack that further in the series as we continue. But what we do know from, from Peter's experience here is that God takes Peter's darkest moment and he uses it for good. Peter, who fell into temptation and in fear of his own well-being, denied Jesus. He was, he was so completely restored and given a new beginning that he stood up in front of thousands of people. Some of them were probably witnesses to his own denial and fall. And he charged them with the sin of denying Christ. That's how free he was from the burden of that, the guilt and the shame of that denial. In Acts 3, this is, this is what he says. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate. When he was determined to let him go, But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murder to be granted to you. Christ's complete forgiveness and resurrection takes the bitterness and sting out of sin. And it turns it into a memory of God's grace. The complete restoration to ministry is why Peter is one of the greatest examples of God's grace. Loving us when we sin and fail him. Peter is perhaps the greatest witness to new beginnings that Christ offers because of his weakness, because of his denial. There is so much that we can take away and learn from Peter. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus chose Peter to be the rock on which he would build his church. He's an uneducated fisherman, just a normal guy. And when we reflect on Peter's journey, when we read about him, we can see ourselves in him. We can relate to his very human his very normal reactions to the situation he finds himself in. More precious, though, we learn about and witness the loving character of God through the relationship between Jesus and Peter. Through Peter, we can be encouraged 
that Jesus sees our full potential. Jesus saw him on the beach and he recognised him as Peter, the rock. He sees us as the person we were created to be, not the people we are now. But in saying that, he also sees us in the moment, in the here and the now, the good and the bad. And we can be assured that the grace, mercy and forgiveness is available to us always and that redemption and restoration are waiting for us when we fail. Peter needed to fail. We need to fail. Otherwise, he would never have realised the power and the death and resurrection of Jesus. While Peter's personal war was waging... And darkness won that war. At the same time, Jesus was in a war which ultimately he overcame to bring light to the world. <laughs> Let me pray for us this morning. <laughs> Father, we just um, we thank you that you are a good and loving God. That your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness is readily available. I pray that we have the courage of Peter to devote ourselves to you. And I pray for the courage to repent when we fail So with humble hearts, Lord, we just ask that you speak to us and that you assure us of your love and your salvation and the freedom that comes in that. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.